Well, at the heart of standardisation and that process of defining best practice, you need all the stakeholders there. And so what CPIN has done has brought together consumers, right since 1951, brought together that consumer view. And it's not just you know the, 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 the stereotypical man or woman in the street. They've actually gone out and sourced expertise from the consumer perspective, which has infinitely improved our standards. And the number of products that are safer, because the standards that they're built on have got that input from the consumer movement is immeasurable. You are listening to the Consumers and Standards series from The Standard Show in association with CPIN, the Consumer and Public Interest Network. Today's episode is on CPIN at 70. Well, the reason I got involved in CPIN in the first place and really care about being involved in CPIN is uh, because standards are one of the really important tools that exist for consumer protection to protect consumers from harm by unscrupulous business practice or even just businesses not knowing quite how to do it well, for example. And if consumers and consumer reps, CPIN reps, weren't involved in standards, anything from online shopping to toys, then those standards might just not take into account real-life consumer experiences. To me, CPIN means bringing consumers right there to the table to talk about the things that are important to them while they can get on with their everyday lives. CPIN reps are out there thinking about all their needs, what they need to be safe, what they need to get good service and making sure that business are listening as they develop standards together. CPIN really is speaking up for consumers who can't speak up for themselves and it's making sure that the consumer voice is heard right at the very, very heart of standards. And that is so incredibly important because consumers are a key stakeholder group um, but often don't have the resources to participate, um, often their voice may be weaker than other stakeholder groups and CPIN is there to really make sure that that voice is strong and that we get the best out of standards for consumers, that we make sure that they are helping to make consumers' lives safer and fairer and better. The first three voices we heard at the top of the episode there were BSI's Director of Standards Policy David Bell and CPIN reps Kerry Stanaway and Liz Cole. They were speaking to me at the recent CPIN 70th anniversary event, responding to my question about what CPIN means to them. The last of those voices was of CPIN chair Julie Hunter, and I'm joining this episode by Julie, along with Nikki Stoppard, BSI Consumer Forum Chair, and Sadie Dainton, BSI Consumer Policy Manager. Hello, my name is Matthew Childs, and you are listening to the seventh and final episode of the Standard Show's Consumers and Standards series which is a celebration of CPIN at 70. The Consumer and Public Interest Network, or CPIN, empowers and protects consumers, making everyone's life safer, fairer and better through effective consumer representation in British standards. Established in 1951, CPIN's trained volunteers participate in the development of standards to highlight key consumer issues, making sure that real-life problems are addressed and the risk of consumer harm is minimized. CPIN believes that all consumers have a right to safe and accessible goods and services, clear information, fair treatment, effective systems of redress, and a healthy environment. CPIN representatives use the United Nations Guidelines for Consumer Protection as the foundation of their work. They sit on hundreds of standards development committees, speaking up for consumers. To find out more, visit bsigroup.com forward slash consumers.
The consumer voice in standards is incredibly important. This is because standards are everywhere, making consumers' lives safer, fairer and easier. Whether we're using a mobile phone or shopping online, standards behind the scenes are setting good practice for organisations that make goods and provide services. BSI publishes around 3,000 standards every year and it would be pretty much impossible for CPIN to get involved in every single one of them. So instead, resources are focused in areas where CPIN can have the greatest positive impact for consumers based on five priorities. Sustainability, consumer vulnerability, consumer safety, digital and services. Now, the aim of the Standards Show is to bring you the stories behind the standards. So this series has looked at some of the stories and issues for each of these five priorities. But for this final episode, we are taking a celebratory look at the role of CPIN over its 70 years and to look forward to what it might do next. To do this, I sat down with Nikki Stopford, Julie Hunter and Sadie Dainton. Nikki is chair of the BSI Consumer Forum and has more than 20 years experience in research, advocacy and publishing. Julie is an independent consultant in consumer research, policy, advocacy and protection and is also chair of CPIN. And Sadie is consumer policy manager here at BSI. She was also recently appointed chair of ISO Capolco, which is the ISO Committee on Consumer Policy. We started our conversation by looking back at some of CPIN's most important achievements over its 70 years, how its role has evolved over that time, and how it all began. So, Nikki, welcome to the podcast. It's lovely to be here. Thanks for having me. And Julie, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, Matthew. It's good to be back. And Sadie, also welcome back to the podcast too. Uh, Good to talk to you again, Matthew. Now, Sadie, if I can start with you. Now, this year marks the 70th anniversary of consumer participation in standards. What's been the consumer journey through standards? How and when did it all begin? Well, I think we talked in our very first um, conversation about the Women's Advisory Committee, which was established back in 1951. And and this was at a time when mainly it was men writing standards and they suddenly realized that actually they didn't know much about using domestic appliances uh, and what the problems were. So they established the Women's Advisory Group, which was a, a set of very strong ladies and different organizations. And they did an amazing job speaking up for for women um, in 1951. And they, they were sort of ahead of their time, really, because it wasn't until 1960 that Consumers International was in, established, um, and not till 1962 that JFK set out uh, the consumer rights in his, his famous speech. Um, so the world has progressed um, since then. Uh, we, we look back through uh, that time over 70 years, how the world's changed, and it's changed pretty dramatically. Uh, we did we did get a UN Consumer Protection Guidelines in 1985, um, and they've just recently been revised in 2015. But as you can see, the consumer world, consumer rights, is a relatively uh, young um, organization uh, compared to to the fact that industry's been around and the, and the world has been around for a very long time. Um, we also saw increasing government um, and consumer interest in, in consumer protection. And, and standards had been thought really of, and, and until, you know, 
this still continues to be believed, um, um, I think, quite broadly by people who don't know much about standards, is that standards were written by industry for industry and very much about technical production, uh, interoperability, um, efficiency. And they hadn't really thought about the fact that consumers use all these products um, and that really consumers are all very different, have different needs and have live in different societies, live in, in different climates, have different behaviors. And I think it was at this time really that we saw some great leaders evolve in in um, the consumer representation at, at BSI. So this is when really back in the 80s, 90s, where CPIN, as it's now known, uh, really came into its own with some great leaders like uh, Lynn Falls Wood, uh, Caroline Warren, who really drove um, the understanding of the importance of consumer representation um, in standards. And of course, today we have moved on and, and have a very vibrant uh, consumer and public interest network. We have a very vibrant consumer forum with its council, which I'm sure Nikki and Judy will speak around in a, in a minute. Uh, but I think also through the years, there's been an increasing recognition of the role that standards play in consumer protection, um, in setting out good practice to business to help them improve outcomes for consumers and to help them reduce the risk of harm, which obviously no business wants to harm their customers um, and, and Businesses want to be responsible, but consumer representation can actually help them by participating in those standards to make sure that they understand the needs of, of consumers. So, Julie, Rollers, uh, you have obviously you are CPIN chair. Can you tell me what is CPIN's role in representing consumers in standards and how has CPIN evolved over time? Well, as Sadie said, CPIN has taken many different forms and had lots of different names before becoming the CPIN that we know today. But despite all the changes, our missions really remain the same, which is to empower and protect consumers through effective consumer representation in standards. So as you heard from Sadie, we started life as the Women's Advisory Committee in 1951, but we've evolved over the last 70 years to have a much more diverse group of members in CPIN, including men. And um, we represent consumers on a much, much wider range of standards than we did back then. So we started out working on product standards. But over the last 20 years, we've seen lots more services standards and more recently standards on things um, like ethics and principles. So privacy, uh, vulnerability, social responsibility, because consumers are demanding more now from the products and the services and the companies they use. And we're not just looking at product safety and quality and price. We're also looking at the quality of the customer service. And is this a business that behaves responsibly and fairly and ethically? So those are the kind of things that we're looking for. And standards have evolved to try and keep up with that consumer demand. And CPIN has had to evolve and broaden our, expert, our expertise at the same time so we can keep up with the consumer demand and the emerging consumer harms and all of these market developments as well. So really today we deliver on our mission by having 
a really well-organised network of volunteers. So I think we have around 60 consumer experts now who all volunteer their time to represent consumers in standards. And we represent that consumer stakeholder group. And it's really important to point out that although other organisations can do this, that we're the only organisation that have that specific resource and remit to speak up for consumers in standards. So we're active on more than 150 standards committees now, which we're contributing to a really wide range of British standards, but also European and international. And we're, as well as being a larger network, we are also a much more collaborative network, I'd say now, in terms of having regular workshops and training and events so we can share insight about consumer issues. So we're working in a much more different, you know, in a different way than we did in the past. And although CPIN is supported in its work by BSI and Bayes, we have our own independent governance and decision making. So we decide which standards we work on and what we think the consumer priorities are, and we develop our own views so that everyone can be sure we're working in the best interests of consumers all the time. Did you know CPIN's founding members? In 1951, there were 18 founder members of CPIN, among which were some pretty interesting organisations, including the Association of Teachers of Domestic Subjects, the National Council of Women, and the Federation of Seroptimist Clubs. Seroptimist, loosely translated from the Latin, meaning best for women. Originally meeting as the Women's Advisory Committee, these 18 organisations collectively represented more than 3 million women. Now, Nikki, there's another important organisation here as part of the mix, and that's the BSI Consumer Forum. Can you tell us what that is and what its relationship is to CPIN? Um, so ultimately, the role of the um, BSI's Consumer Forum is to really help um, strengthen the consumer voice in standards. So it brings together those organisations that are at the forefront of um, both empowering and protecting consumers in the UK. So this includes anything from key charities, um, non-profit organisations, regulators, enforcement agencies and, and government departments as well. And um and we come together to work together to put consumers' interests um, at the heart of, of de- developing best practice standards, ultimately. And we do this by um, sharing insight and data and information on um, on current and emerging consumer trends. So really, um, really unpicking and getting a deep understanding of those um, topical issues, consumers' big concerns and, and, and policy issues that are, are central to um, what's going on across the consumer landscape at the moment. And, 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 and this really is to both support the work of BSI and its strategic direction, but importantly, to support the work that's being done by Julie and, and her team of um, CPIN um, consumer expert volunteers who are directly representing consumers' interests on, on the many standards committees that Julie was talking about there. Now, we're obviously here to celebrate 70 years of consumer participation in standards and also celebrate CPIN's 70th anniversary. So I'm interested in what you, what all three of you think about sort of the biggest achievements that CPIN have, uh, the biggest achievements of CPIN over that, over those 70 years. So maybe we could start with you, Sadie. What would you say has been the big achievements of CPIN in its life? I think, um, um, I would like to talk about actually the role BSI has played in really advocating and supporting um, consumer representation. Um, and I think over the 70 years, we said we had the first 
BSI had the first consumer voice uh, back in 1951. And over those years, and in particularly in the last 10 years, uh, we've really um, advocated to make sure the consumer voice is at the centre of British standards. So through consumer policy, working with also having that connection with ANEC, the European Consumer Voice, uh, with Consumers International through ISO Capolco. Um, we've really, I think, have facilitated and enabled uh, a strong consumer voice to be heard in British standards. And I think that's a, a really good achievement uh, to have that focus and to have enabled and invested in that uh, consumer voice. And I think some examples for me of where CPIN have recently really, really led the way is um, recently uh, putting forward a standard, international standard, on improving consumer understanding of online terms and conditions. Also, an international standard on privacy by design to help protect consumers when they're uh, using their digital products. And these are kind of examples, I think, as well as um, working incredibly hard on the international standard on vulnerability, consumer vulnerability, that just shows uh, the leadership that uh, the consumer movement in the UK has shown and how we can really work together strongly with other organizations to make sure that consumer voice is heard uh, through Europe and, and internationally. And Julie, how about yourself? What what would you like to highlight from from in seventy years? It'd be very very difficult to pinpoint, you know, one or two particular pieces of work. So I'm going to go a bit broader than that. I think the thing I'd like to highlight is how CPIN has grown in strength, um, diversity, and agility over time to make sure that the consumer voice is heard where it's needed the most. Because we obviously have to prioritise what we do. There are thousands and thousands of standards that are published every year. And we need to make sure that we focus on those areas where we think we can have the greatest impact to minimise or prevent consumer harm. So I think we've become much, much better at doing that in targeting our efforts and our resources where they can have the you know best outcomes for consumers. And Nikki, how about yourself? Where do you think of what, what are CPIN's sort of biggest achievements over those 70 years? Yeah, so I guess... I guess it's worth saying first that standards are obviously an important part of the toolkit for tackling consumer problems alongside regulation and education and other things. And I think probably where I'd like to um, focus um, in terms of um, biggest achievements is really the collaborative effort and engagement that has existed um, between BSI's Consumer Forum um, members and and also CPIN um, to not only surface um, rich insight and understanding of consumer trends and experiences, but also to respond to emerging risks as standards are, are developed. So there's lots of examples of, of where this has worked really effectively. So um, CPIN's collaboration with um, the Office for Product Safety and Standards to improve product recall standards, um, CPIN's collaboration with the likes of which Electrical Safety First and, and the London Fire Brigade to improve safety standards for domestic appliances, and, um, and CPIN's collaboration with the Royal Society for the Prevention of Accidents and and, um, and the 
Child Accident Prevention Trust to ensure that button um, battery standards minimise potential risk to children. And, and you know, there are lots lots more like that. It's probably unfair just to pick out the, the odd example or two, but it's really important. And there's a lot of really great work happening um, across the piece as well. So um, CPIN's been working very hard to, um, to engage stakeholders in workshops, um, looking at a whole host of cross-cutting topics like consumer vulnerability, as, as, as Julie and, and Sadie have already mentioned. Here's me interrupting my conversation with Nikki, Julie and Sadie with a reminder to you that here on The Standard Show, we really welcome your feedback. Do please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on Twitter at Standard Show and check out the show notes for all of the ways to get in touch. So we've looked at some of the the history there of consumer representation standards. I'm just want to move us on now to looking at issues of the of sort of present and also of the future. So starting with you, Nikki, you know what are what are the most pressing and important consumer issues facing us all right now? Obviously, um, digital and technological transformation, a transition to a green economy, and and big shocks like the global pandemic have have naturally um, completely transformed and continue to transform the way we live, work and consume. The pandemic has affected everybody's lives. It's completely upended a lot of long-standing consumer habits. And we're also seeing a very uneven economic recovery. So research that came out from the Financial Conduct Authority found that COVID-19 has left 27.7 million UK adults in vulnerable situations. This is up 15% on the previous year. So we're seeing rising household bills, um, low consumer confidence in the future of the UK economy. People are now more worried about their energy bills, food prices and the cost of fuel than they were a year ago. And um, and as I mentioned, we are living through a digital revolution, obviously accelerated by the pandemic. And we're seeing lots of new and complex digital products entering the market like cryptocurrencies and standard appliances that we have in our homes are becoming increasingly digitally enabled and much more interconnected than they ever were. Um, we're seeing the increased adoption and use of e-commerce services, everything from shops to banks. And whilst a lot of this obviously brings um, many advantages like cheaper, faster and more convenient products and services, it also puts a much greater reliance on ensuring that those products and services are designed with issues like accessibility and privacy and security front of mind. And I guess just the final area to focus on um, is obviously the target to reach net zero by 2050 and and the increasing drive um, by many of us to live much more sustainably um, will have a significant impact on how we um, both heat and power our homes and how we get around and the products we buy and and we'll all put more pressure on the need for standards to support the quality, safety and authenticity of new eco products entering the market. This is why the focus of this year's Consumer Forum Conference, um, which we ran in collaboration with BSI's sustainability network um, was really designed to tap into expertise and knowledge on what we need to do to make um, sustainability a reality for consumers. Now, Julie, Nikki has mentioned there are some really big themes there, sustainability and digital transformation. I'm wondering how can standards and CPIN respond to those issues? Yeah, I think when you look at the complexity and the speed of change, we really need to think a bit differently about standards development now. We need to make sure that standards are evolving and the process is evolving, I guess, so that we can keep up with all of these changes. 
And that's around making it easier for consumers to identify which businesses are behaving responsibly and are doing the right thing in terms of sustainability and digital. That could help. There's a few things I think that um, would make a difference in terms of seeping being able to prioritise its work. I think more cross-cutting or horizontal standards, which can apply across a wide range of products and services, can have a greater impact than us trying to get lots of clauses into thousands of different products and service specific standards. So, for example, the standard that Sadie mentioned on privacy by design, which can have a huge impact across a wide range of products and services. Same for vulnerability. Also, if we were to have horizontal standards for things like consumer information, we do have standards for things like consumer complaints, a dispute resolution, so they can cut across and have a greater impact. Another thing is having more international standards because a lot of these issues that Nikki mentioned are cross-border and consumers across the world are experiencing the same difficulties that you know the same challenges and so international standards can really help to address lots of those problems so that international collaboration to share knowledge we can learn from each other's different experiences if we can work together on standards we can save duplication of work but also ensure that consistency of consumer protection so there are a couple of things that i think we can do and the other thing is making the standards process a little bit more flexible so we can respond quite quickly to this to these new emerging consumer harms we're seeing so we've seen the publication of lots more fast track standards recently so PASs and flexes but we do need to be really careful to keep an eye on the process to make sure that this faster way of doing things doesn't weaken kind of unique value of the multi-stakeholder process to make sure that consumers are still able to participate and contribute equally so yes we want more flexible standards but we just need to keep an eye on that process to make sure that CPIN can you know deliver on its mission to ensure the consumer voice is heard did you know you can have your say too if you are an organization working in consumer protection and would like to contribute to the consumer voice and standards there are a variety of ways to get involved join the BSI consumer forum or participate directly in the development of standards by joining the relevant committee, or contribute indirectly by liaising with CPIN reps or attending CPIN stakeholder workshops on specific topics to share your expertise. If you want to make a positive difference to consumers through standards as an individual, you can become a CPIN representative. CPIN welcomes applications from consumer champions with a wide range of knowledge, skills and experiences. Find out more at bsigroup.com forward slash consumers. Now, Sadie, obviously CPIN is a national success story here in terms of standards development. But Julie's mentioned there that sort of European and and international uh, issue and and dimension here. So can you tell us a bit more about that European and international dimension for consumer representation in standards? I think building what Julie said, you know, we do all live in a global society um, um, now we're all connected, and, and certainly there's there's very much more in common than, than different uh, with consumers around the world. So it's really important that not only the uh, consumer movement work together, but the national standards bodies um, work together. So BSI is a member of uh, San and, and continues to work with San European national standards bodies. Um, ANEC 
provides a consumer voice into uh, the European standards process, um, as well as all the national standards bodies throughout Europe um, who have differing levels of national uh, representation. Um, and similarly, at the international level, um, there's ISO and IEC. And of course, there's Consumers International who can directly uh, participate at that level. Um, but I've recently been appointed as the chair of ISO Capolco from 2022 to 24. And I think that's a really important role that I'll be playing um, to, to ensure that all voices can be heard. That's one of the ISO's missions, is all voices heard. And as Julie mentioned, the multi-stakeholder uh, and consensus process of voluntary standards is really our USP. And we have to work very hard um, around the world, uh, throughout Europe, but also throughout all the other regions of the world, uh, to enable those consumers to be participating in their national standards bodies. Consumers are still very underrepresented as a whole, and it's going to it's a challenge because of consumer resources, because of the geographical, economic challenges in many parts of the world. But it's really important that consumers are at the heart of solutions going forward. Um, Nikki mentioned the pandemic, and we saw then how important national, national international standards are in 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 our recovery post-pandemic. Um, so you saw many national standards bodies sharing with business standards for free because we can see how important it is to work together globally to achieve um, good outcomes for, for, the, for the world. Um, and it's certainly really important that we make sure that consumers from every part of the world are part of that process. Now, I'm going to ask you to get your crystal balls out now. So over the next 30 years, so by the time CPIN is 100, if you can believe that, where do you think CPIN and consumer representation in standards will go next? Nikki, how about you? Where do you think we'll need to go next? I mean, I think um, promoting and protecting consumers' interests in this changing world is is absolutely going to be as important over the next 30 years as it has been over the last 70 years. And as Sadie said, there. Um, it's absolutely essential that all voices are heard. And so, you know, I think a key focus for the Consumer Forum is really looking at how we can grow the breadth and reach of, of the Consumer Forum network to support the really important work that's done across BSI and, and by CPIN. Um, Having having um, having all voices heard means that it's it's essential that businesses, government, and society play um, play important roles in helping people make the right choices, find the best quality um, products and services, and receive the right support where where's needed. And standards will continue to be an important tool for helping businesses improve outcomes for consumers. So it's it's absolutely essential that, that consumers' interests and consumer voices are at the heart of standards development going forward. And I think the BSI-led London Declaration to um, combat 
climate change is a big deal in this respect. And, you know, the, the aim of the declaration is to is to do that through international standards development. Um, it aligns all standards development, um, both new and old, old to the Paris Agreement on climate change. And importantly, it stipulates that it will facilitate the involvement of civil society and those who are in most um, vulnerable situations um, to the effects of climate change in the development of of international standards going forward. So that will be absolutely essential over the next 30 years. And Sadie, you talked uh, earlier there about the sort of the, the global issues and the, interla- in the international issues around standardisation. I assume for you then over the next 30 years, more global? Is that where we're going with, with uh, consumer representation and standards? Yeah, I certainly think that um, every... As we've we've heard with the London Declaration, and that's all ISO members signing up to that declaration, and and the big challenge going forward will be um, will be net zero. It will be that we can all live together in a sustainable world, and that effort needs everyone to be part of it. And of course, national standards bodies speak for their national stakeholders. Um, the national standards don't write the standards. They're written by those experts, by those uh, businesses, by those academics, by um, governments, by technical experts, and, and importantly, by consumers um, in all those countries. So certainly in the next 30 years, if we want to achieve um, the, the race to net zero if we want to make sure that we live in a more equitable, fair society. Um, we certainly have to address the needs of consumers all over the world. Um, and, and the way we can do that is really by putting um, that consumer voice at the centre of uh, standards development. Um, we can't have a circular economy if you don't have that really p- important part of the circular economy, which is consumers who are, um, you know, choosing, making informed choices, um, being impacted by every part of our, our new world, whether it be electric vehicles, whether it be um, new new forms of transport, whether it be renewable energy, consumers are a really important part of all that, and and they need to be informed and they need to be represented in all of these discussions to make sure that we really can achieve what I think is possible to achieve uh, by using uh, these really important international standards to drive change. And finally, to you, Julie, where do you think, you know, over the next 30 years, where will, where will consumer representation need to go next? I think it's really important that we are reflecting um, different consumer behaviour and needs and experiences that we can move quickly to adapt to that. So as Nikki said, digital is like infiltrating all parts of our lives now. And we're going to see that happening more and more. So I can see standards... Obviously, we'll still have to focus on things like product safety and you know traditional products and services, but we'll see a lot more new products and services and new ways of doing things coming into being. So I think we need to be able to respond to those. And we also need for everybody else who's involved in standards to understand and recognise the value of that consumer participation, the value of standards that reflect real consumer behaviour, consumer needs and experiences. So it's just making sure that that consumer stakeholder voice is there at the heart, but also recognised as being valuable um, and 
that were equal partners in the process from the beginning, really. And so key to that is collaboration and engagement so we can make it easier for consumer stakeholders to participate in standards in a meaningful way. My thanks to Nikki Stopford, Julie Hunter and Sadie Dainton for speaking to me for this episode. Thanks also to the more than 20 guests we have featured across the whole of this Consumers and Standards series. If you've missed any of the previous episodes, check out the podcast feed or go to bsigroup.com forward slash consumers. You have been listening to an episode of The Standard Show. Subscribe to us now wherever you get your podcasts. You just heard a stripped media production. 